pretty much all I write about in my blog and speak about on these podcasts has a fundamental assumption that can tie together a number of disparate musings into a connected thread. One might call it my way of looking at the world. In fact, it is the troublesome word world that strikes near the heart of the matter. This is Jack Stapleton with another episode of the Apprentice Priest podcast. In the New Testament, the use of the word world most often translates a Greek term, cosmos, K-O-S-M-O-S. Although cosmos has come into our language as cosmos with a C, its original meaning referred to an orderly arrangement, even a decoration. By implication, it could refer to the whole created order, but that included the inhabitants of the world and the way these inhabitants organize life, including moral organization, which could encompass politics, business, or the whole value system of human societies. Because of the breadth of possible meaning, the New Testament is ambiguous in its application of the word world. In the letter of James, we read that friendship with the world is enmity with God. But famously, the Gospel of John tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Both of those translate the word cosmos. There is one other use of the term world that further illustrates the ambiguity. In John's Gospel, there is a recounting of a conversation between Jesus and the Roman procurator, Pontius Pilate. When Pilate challenges Jesus about the accusations the Jewish authorities have lodged against him, the most common translation of Jesus' reply goes like this. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingship were of this world, my servants would fight, that I might not be handed over to the Jews. But my kingship is not from the world. But taking the term cosmos as orderly arrangement, there is a paraphrase called the complete Jewish Bible that gives this rendition. Yeshua answered, My kingship does not derive its authority from this world's order of things. If it did, my men would have fought to keep me from being arrested by the Judeans. But my kingship does not come from here. Thus, the reply of Jesus draws an immediate contrast between the order of things that Pilate knows and the different arrangement from which Jesus draws his authority. The example that Jesus uses is the example of armed resistance that is the behavior that Pilate, and therefore Caesar, recognizes. And that is why Pilate cannot seem to grasp what Jesus is saying. In Caesar's kingdom, Jesus simply doesn't make sense. And there we have the two kingdoms face to face. On the one hand, there is Caesar's kingdom, and we know that kingdom well. It is the arrangement of things that governs human life across the globe. It is the system of government, business, education, politics, and social groups of all sizes and in all cultures. If you have ever had the pleasure of engaging in church politics, whether in a congregation or at a church convention, it is painfully obvious that churches, more often than not, order themselves according to the rules of Caesar's kingdom. Some time ago, a wise priest discouraged me from invoking Robert's rules of order to govern church meetings. He pointed out that the origin, uh, the origin of that protocol was to handle conflict. It, in fact, assumes conflict. And when there is none, invoking those rules can occasionally create conflict. Robert's rules of order are tailor-made for Caesar's kingdom. The alternative to Caesar's kingdom is 
of course, the kingdom of God, even though God's church all too often can't seem to tell the difference. The second kingdom is the one that Jesus announces as he begins his ministry. Jesus announces that this kingdom is near, is at hand, is in our midst. This last comment from Luke chapter 17 is often translated as the kingdom being within or among, but in your midst is a reading more consistent with Jesus' other teachings on the kingdom. One commentator has noted that the whole language of the kingdom of heaven being within men rather than men being within the kingdom is in fact modern. Perhaps there is no other clearer passage about the orderly arrangement or cosmos of God's kingdom than Jesus' rebuke to his disciples as they were arguing who would be the highest officials in the kingdom Jesus was proclaiming. It is best to take the whole passage which gives the setting. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Now when the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles those whom they recognize as the rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, I have neither the qualifications nor the capacity to do a thorough exegesis of the contrast of the two kingdoms. Instead, I want to underline that there are two kingdoms, that one of them, God's kingdom is at the work at work in the midst of Caesar's both undercutting its legitimacy and healing the wounds that it causes. And all else I write about or speak about on priesthood, blessing, conversion, or any other aspect of spiritual formation flows from my understanding of that reality. Until next time, this is Jack Stapleton, an apprentice priest with a closing blessing. Be the eye of God dwelling with you the foot of Christ in guidance with you, the shower of the Spirit pouring on you richly and generously.